Thank you for listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that your life will be forever changed by what you hear today. Our goal is to encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now let's tune in. Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? Wow, that good. Wow, six or seven of you having an okay weekend. The rest is like, we're just here. That's okay, hey. Well, you know what? Here's what I promise you. I promise you that we're gonna open up the Word of God in a minute, and every time I've opened the Word of God, I've been challenged and encouraged, so I ask you who's ready to go into the Word of God with me this morning. There we go. Okay, so let's stick together here. Uh, Just before I jump into the sermon, uh, I want to reiterate what Wendy had to say. Today is Baptism Sunday, and we're baptizing the last count, uh, which was earlier this week, was 22 people getting baptized today. So that's exciting. Yep. Um, If you want to come and party with us at the beach, um, and I use the term uh, party uh, because it is a party. We celebrate when people get baptized. Um, come down. It's at five o'clock. We're going to be at the pavilion there at Henderson Park. When you pull up, just tell them that you're with Hope City Community Church and they'll give you directions and there's no charge to park. Uh, so you can just tell them they're at the gate and they'll show you where to go. And, uh, and, and hey, just, just look for the, uh, the happiest people there. You'll find us. We're excited. Um, baptisms are so great. People get to make a, a public proclamation of their faith, and that's just a wonderful thing. And so uh, I, I hope you guys will decide to join us down. There's going to be beautiful weather, too. It's going to be a great day. Uh, today I'm going to talk to you. Uh, I'm going to continue this series about seasons. Last week we talked about spring. This week I want to talk to you about summer. Uh, summer is probably my least favorite season of all. You know, in the winter, you got the holidays. In the spring, you know, it's not quite hot. In the fall, you got pumpkin spice latte, chaka laka, whatever the mess my wife orders. Uh, but in the summer, it's just like, Gleh. it's just hot. The gators are moving, the snakes are moving, you can't swim in public water, it gets weird out. You know, just, well, what's, what's strange to me is that. In Florida, we really only have two seasons. We lie to ourselves, but we really have two seasons. We have like summer and then like not quite summer, right? It's hot all year round. But when we go into the summer, man, it gets hot. We had, I think it was three years ago, we had like 30 to 40 days in a row over 100 degrees. And that's before you add in the humidity, right? And everybody goes, ooh. Because the humidity is what really gets you, right? Uh, I love people in Arizona. 100 degrees, it's like 105 here every day. And I'm like, yeah, come try this Florida heat on. Tell me how you like that. Because you got this humidity over here. And, dude, it absolutely, you can't go outside without. Uh, listen, I sweat in the air conditioning. When you go outside in the summer here, you might as well take a change of clothes. Because you're going to be sweating. I, when I moved to Florida, I found out you sweat behind your knees. True story, man. And if you don't believe me, just get in a car that the Freon has run out. That happened to me. I lived here a few years and the Freon ran out my truck. I literally was driving down the road and I felt a bead of sweat run down the back of my cab to my ankle. That's hot, man. That's horrible. And, 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 and I told Wendy the other day, I said, I'm talking about summer. And I said, what is it that we can make some comparisons about 
Uh, with the summer, she goes, I don't know, she goes, but the summer in Florida is just unrelenting. It just does not relent. It will not rest. It won't stop. It just keeps beating on you and beating on you until someday in like December, it drops down to like 88. And we're like, oh, it's winter, <laughs> right? There's no fall season here. Your trees just die. They just lose their leaves of death. They don't fall out and change colors. And uh, But I, I say that because when you look at the summer, you have to look at the characteristics of summer because the, the Bible talks about seasons and then it parallels our lives to seasons and so many different times that the Lord used nature to compare uh, our lives. And so summer being unrelenting. And so I was praying, I was like, Lord, what can I preach about summer? Well, then I started noticing a pattern in our connection cards. And probably over the last three months, there has been a common denominator in probably 30% of the connection cards on a weekly basis. And there's words that are being used, um, like tired, like I'm weary, like it seems to never stop, like I'm overwhelmed, like I need a break. And it's constant pressure on God's people. How many of you, if you're being honest, you say, I've either just come through a season, or I'm currently in a season where I'm just overwhelmed. Can just be overwhelmed. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and that actually lines up with the connection cards because the connection cards really kind of give us a, uh, not just how to pray, uh, but also how to support, how to plan events, how to do things. Uh, so like right now, after baptism, we don't have a whole lot of events because everybody's overwhelmed. So we don't want to give too much schedule-wise to people. Everybody I know schedule is completely out of balance. Just going to throw that out there. Listen, today's one of those days, if your toes are hanging out, just tuck them under your chair because I'm going to stomp on every toe I see today, right? So, um, so I was comparing summer and the situation that we have in the body of Christ, and I thought, there it is. We're in a summer season but it just continues to stay summer. It never cools off. It just stays hot and it stays pressurized and it stays overwhelming and it stays tiresome and, it, and we never get a break. And, and, and so today I'm gonna teach on Ecclesiastes 3. It says, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And in studying this past week, I found this really cool verse. It's in Psalm 74, 17, where David is talking about God. And he says, it was you who set all the boundaries of the earth. Boundaries is a really good word for me right now. Boundaries is a really powerful word for me right now. Uh, it says that you, it was you who set all the boundaries of the earth. But then he says, you made both summer and winter. You see, if summer is this like, can't catch a break heat, just overwhelming heat, winter is the opposite of that. It's where things cool off and you kind of catch your breath. I love that the scripture says that God made two seasons that are on either side of that. In other words, I know things can be overwhelming for a season, but make sure it's just a season and that you don't live your entire life in the heat of that. Because if you do, it will come at a price that I promise you, you don't want to pay. And so uh, today we're going to talk about the summer of life, the, that unrelenting feeling of just being overwhelmed uh, and so we're, we're going to dig into this a little bit. Luke chapter 21, verse 34 says, But take heed to yourselves, 
Lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. It says, and that day can come upon you unexpectedly. What day? It's the day where you're weighed down by the cares of this life. It can just jump on you. You can have everything in balance. And then all of a sudden, mm, I don't feel like I can breathe. I can't take 20 minutes to make a phone call. I can't do, have you ever had your schedule? It was so busy that you don't have time to get to the next appointment. Hour on top of hour on top of hour. And if you run too close, you will be the next one late, the next one late, the next one late. Can I tell you, that's kind of the way I've been running lately. I've got to be more careful with my schedule. And it adds pressure that's unnecessary. It puts pressure on us as individuals that we can't maintain, that we can't get to it, we can't accomplish it. And so in my studying, I found a word that I think is very apropos, it's applicable to what we're dealing with, and that word is stewardship. Stewardship. If you look it up by definition, it's the conducting, the supervising, or the managing of something. Again, it's the conducting, the supervising, or the managing of something. So stewardship is the control or management of areas of our life. And what's funny is when I was growing up, anytime I heard stewardship preached about in church, it was always about finances. But nobody ever taught me how to steward my schedule. Nobody ever taught me how to steward my spirit man. Nobody ever taught me how to steward my emotions. All they ever taught me to do was, you know, make sure you pay your tithe. That's stewardship, right? Well, that's true, but that's an anemic explanation of stewardship, isn't it? Because if we're supposed to steward our lives, there's a lot of facets to our life that need control and management. And so I've narrowed it down to basically four quadrants of life that we're going to talk about today. First, spiritually, then we're going to talk about physically, financially, and emotionally. We're going to talk about those four areas of our life today and how we are supposed to steward them uh, in seasons where it just feels like huh, it's just overwhelming. In 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. What does it look like for a soul to prosper? What does it look like for somebody's spirit man to prosper? So all I can give you are characteristics of my life when I'm doing things the right way. When I am in the word, when I'm praying, when I'm staying worshiped up, when I'm doing the things for my spirit man I'm supposed to be doing, I can carry tremendous amounts of responsibility without frustration. It's almost like there is a, this spiritual uh, 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 WD-40 that hits my life. That man, I can just I mean, it takes the grind and the grit out, and I can function and focus with a smoothness and an energy, and it just becomes weightless. And I guess when I really break it down, it's because at that moment, when I'm really tapped into the source of God, I'm not really functioning in my own strength in those moments. I'm functioning in His strength. And that's why it's so imperative that we keep our spirits plugged in. You say, well, how would I know that I'm spiritually anemic? Well... The first thing I would tell you is that you're easily frustrated and that it's high emotion. That sometimes the smallest thing can bring on the heaviest emotions, right? I would also tell you that the people around you begin to tell you something's off. 
My wife can tell you if I'm not prayed up. My wife can tell you if I'm not in my Bible. My wife can tell you if I'm not in my worship. Why? Because I'm, I'm a little bit different than my normal self. I don't have that supernatural strength that I pull when I'm in God's presence, right? So I would tell you to look for seasons of life that you've been so busy that you haven't been able to spend time in God's presence. Now, as easy as it is to fall off of that cliff, it's just as easy to climb back on. You see, all you have to do is spend a little bit of time in God's presence, and it goes a long way. Uh, so I would encourage you, find a time every day to read the Scripture. Find a time every day to pray. Find a time every day. See, what I do is I dedicate my transition time to worship. Uh, I can't text and drive, and a lot of times I'm trying to catch up. So I've decided I'm not even going to try anymore. What I'm going to do while I'm driving is I'm going to worship. So I get my Spotify ready, and it's rigged up now to where whenever I get my truck, my worship kicks on automatically, and while I'm driving, I'm worshiping. And I find sometimes if I'm going from, I mean, from, from MLK, I mean, over to, to Main Street, just one block, just that little bit of worship puts a pep in my step. Just that little bit of the breath of God can go a long way. But it's imperative that we steward ourselves. If you know that every day you need energy, you got to eat something. If you know that every day your car needs fuel, you got to stop and get gas. Can I tell you, your spirit man needs fuel in the same way that your car needs fuel. Let me ask you this. What would happen if you maintained your vehicle the way you maintain your spirit man? What do you say, David? Uh-oh. Now, let's just dig into this for a minute. Let's say that you fed your physical man the way you feed your spirit man. I promise you, you'd be having some trouble by Tuesday. You see, because those who feed themselves enough spiritually, you can go forever because you're feeding every day. Feeding every day. What would happen if I said the only time you can have something physical to eat is when you're having something spiritually to eat? Can I tell you, you'd figure out the power of your spirit man real fast. You see, a lot of people are walking around here struggling from problems that are really solvable. You just have to feed your spirit. You just have to feed your spirit. A lot of people are dealing with issues. They feel weak. They feel tired. They feel vulnerable. They feel like the world's attacking them. And the truth is, is all that's happening is, is that your spirit man's anemic. You haven't put the things in to get the performance out. And so I would challenge you to look at every day as a new beginning and invest in today what you need today, right? The Bible says tomorrow worry about itself. But today... What have you done today to sustain yourself spiritually today? Now, congratulations, you came to church. I'm going to chew, this is about to be really gross. I'm going to chew your steak up and feed you like baby birds and spit it back in your mouth. So congratulations, you will get nourished today. Tomorrow, I can't come to your house and chew the word up again and... Oh, that's gross thinking about it, isn't it? <laughs> Hard pass, yeah, true. 
But here's, here's the truth of the matter. is all too often we sit around waiting on somebody to bring us something spiritually. And it's like, no, 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 you go hunt. You go kill. You go grill your own meat. Go get it. It's there for you. Every time I open the Bible, man, it comes to life. And it'll do the same for you. Just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you, right? But you've got to take time to invest in nourishing yourself spiritually. If not, you will not be who you need to be for the kingdom. Did you know that you have a gift and a job and a requirement in the kingdom that's only yours? It's only yours. Nobody else can do it. You can reach people in your office that we will never meet. And it's on you to reach them. But if you're constantly anemic spiritually, you won't be the person you need to be. Because when I'm anemic spiritually, boy, I get short-tempered. And see, you can't see Jesus in my short temper. Man, when I get anemic spiritually, I just get crabby and kind of want to be alone. Anybody else like that? Just meh, meh. I don't even know what makes that sound. Some kind of weird Seuss animal. I don't know. Meh. <laughs> that 1930s villains. Meh. Well, you go through life and you realize that you are at your greatest, at your greatest quotient of him inside of you. When you are completely topped off with God, you're at your greatest and so for me to be the father that I need to be, for me to be the husband that I need to be, for me to be the pastor I need to be, for me to be the friend, the son, the fill in the blank, for me to be what I'm called, what I'm destined, what I'm needed to be, I've got to make sure that I'm topped off spiritually. And that means spending time in God's presence. Is everybody tracking this morning? Is that okay? Okay, the next thing I want to talk to you about is stewardship physically. And, 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 and I'm going to hit this from a different angle because, see, I was raised in the South, and, and we put gravy on everything. Everything, right? And I was raised without the best healthy eating habits. I was raised without, um, you know, we, we didn't really count calories. We counted plates. You know what I'm talking about? You know, we'll get you another plate, son, you know? Well, and, and that, that created a, a desire in me and a habit that wasn't really healthy. And now that I'm 43, I realize I can't do what I did when I was 20. I shouldn't be eating the way I did when I was 20. And I, from time to time, I still am. But I'm starting to realize that through wisdom, I have chased health for the wrong reasons. You see, I, I've chased health so that I can get a smaller belt, okay? Didn't work. Uh, I chased health so that I, I could try to get a six-pack. And can I tell you, the only six-pack I ever owned was a root beer six-pack. Mm -hmm. um, I, tr I chased health for a low self-worth. And it, and it failed. But here recently, I was challenged on something. I was, um, I was taking Nora fishing, and I was just out of breath the whole time. I was like, oh, I was tired, man. I'm out of breath. just wore out. And it dawned on me. I said, Lord, I need you to help me do better 
with this machine that you've given me, this, this vessel you've given me. It's not because I'm trying to be on a magazine cover. If it is, it'd be like Barbecue Weekly or something like that. I'd be like, that's the one we're shooting for. It's like, the man that's eating all the ribs in Northwest Florida, and I'm your guy, right? Um, but I was, I, was, I was thinking, and you see, whether we believe this or not, our effectiveness for the kingdom is limited to our days here on the earth. In other words, when you're gone from here, your efficacy is pretty much over. You reign your race. And am I living in such a way that's going to expedite my evacuation? Or am I living in a way, and I even, I'll even go further than that, because the Bible says it's important to a man, a time to be born and a time to die. Okay, well, what is my quality of life while I am here? And I'll be honest with you, I've done a lot of horrible living in 43 years. Uh, if you've played any impact sport, you'll, I mean, football, I mean, I've got scars literally from head to toe. And I, I've been abused, uh, been abusive with this body. And now that I'm 43 and I get up in the morning and Nora laughs, she says, sounds like popcorn. I was like, mm-hmm, that's called getting old, it stings. Um, I'm thinking about things a little differently now. I'm not thinking about, you know, oh, I've got to go work out so I can get swole up for bathing suit season. I'm thinking, man, I just, I want my heart to be healthy. so that why I can go the distance for my children. You see what I'm saying? Man, I, I want this old ticker to be in good health. So that way if the Lord calls me to preach the gospel with fire till I'm 80 years old, I want to be able to go. But man, I'll be honest, there's patterns in my life that if I don't change, that ain't going to happen. So when I tell you we have to steward ourselves physically, man, get that whole aesthetic thing out of your mind because you'll fail at that. But when you start considering your usefulness to the kingdom and your value on earth for the kingdom of God, you'll recognize that God has a plan for you and a purpose for you. And your ability to accomplish that a lot of times is your ability to get up and go. And if you can't get up and go, God's got to call somebody else to go. Man, I want to be useful for the kingdom. Until he calls me up, I want to be useful. Well, if I keep some of the patterns I've had earlier in my life, that's not going to happen, so I've got to make some changes. Now, let me say this. There's another side of this thing I want to speak to. Mostly for ladies, but even for some of our men. You have been lied to. And you have been told that if you don't look a certain way, wear a certain size, that you are not beautiful. It's a lie. It's a lie. Moms, at 43 years old, your stretch marks are beautiful to me because they represent the life that you've brought into this world. And the world sells you everything to try to make them go away. And can I tell you, they represent your strength as a woman. How about this? Mothers of the house, grandmothers, your wrinkles. They try to sell you cream that makes those wrinkles go away. And what they represent to me is wisdom. 
And could it be that the enemy of our soul wants us all to blend in in such a way that nobody can see where the strength and wisdom is anymore? I say not in God's house. I say you can age with grace, with the beauty of God in your life. And especially for our young women growing up, the pressure that is on you to look and act and feel a certain way by itself can be a summer season that never stops and you never get a break from it and you're always overwhelmed from it. Can I tell you that you are a masterpiece? You're a masterpiece. A masterpiece. How do I know that? Because I read the scripture. The scripture says that while you were in your mother's womb, he knit you together. Piece by piece by piece. Don't buy the lie that you got to look like somebody on TV. Ah, that's foolishness. Because baby, they could never look like you either. They can't be you. Quit trying to be them. This whole chase after aesthetics, man. Listen, if you want to get healthy, get healthy. But if all you want to do, man, listen, because here's the thing. People are doing dangerous things to try to get healthy, and it doesn't add up. I've got family members that are injecting chemicals in their veins to lose body fat. And they're wondering why their heart is irregular. All for what? Well, that's when we go to the lake, we can flex them abs. Man, take that junk out of here. Can I tell you, if you're being unhealthy to look healthy, you need to stop that too. We need to take care of our vessels, man. We get, yeah, you don't get but one of these. You don't get but one of them. Take care of it. Steward yourself physically. Number three, stewardship financially. Matthew chapter six, verse 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, Humanity is sick. Humanity is sick. Uh... And that you feel the need to buy something and it makes you feel a certain way and then that feeling goes away so you feel like you need to buy something else. And then that feeling goes away and you need to buy something else. And it's this feeding of, and and I'm just going to throw this out there. My, My father was a pastor and he never made much money. We struggled when I was a kid financially. And there was a hole that was put in me as a child that saw other people getting things. I got my first pair of Nikes when I was 14 years old. And I'll never forget, I treated those Nikes, man, like they were, you talk about kids now walking funny in them. I carried my Nikes and then put them on when I got where I was going. You know what I'm talking about? Now they walk like this, they don't crease them. Charles, am I lying? Coach, am I lying? Basketball tournaments, dudes running down the court like this. <laughs> Charles, am I lying? Don't want to crease their basketball shoes. I'm telling you, man, and why is that? Because they're watching their parents value themselves by what they own. God forgive us. 
So can I just have a little therapy session with y'all real quick? Just y'all, you just listen and, and uh, just send me a bill. I have an addiction to heavy equipment. It's gross, I know. But it started out with an Ego 56-volt battery-driven mower about three years ago. I went to Lowe's, and I spared no expense. Self-propelled, check. X-Drive, check. Bag or side discharge, check. Put the battery in it, and it does everything you need it to do. And you just walk behind it. You don't have to push it. You just stroll. You stroll. Well, did everything in the neighborhood. It was great. And uh, then Wendy and I bought 10 acres of land. And I take my mower to 10 acres of land. Why are you laughing, Tay? You laughing at me trying to push mow 10 acres of land? Yeah, you should be laughing. That's a fool's game right there. So I'm walking. Literally, by the time I'd finished cutting, I had to start cutting again. <laughs> had to break it up in chunks. And by the time I finished chunk number five, chunk number one was ready to be cut again. True story. 18-inch cut path over 10 acres. Are you kidding? So I told my wife, I said, sweetheart, I have to upgrade. <laughs> and when he said, well, you just bought that mower. I said, no, it's been years, 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 <laughs> years ago. It's more for you and the kids even than it is for me. <laughs> if it were up to me, I wouldn't do things the way we do things. But so I have to upgrade. And I began my search for the mower that I needed. And in researching, I started seeing words like commercial grade. I started seeing words like made for 10 acres of land or more. And I thought, I don't want to be in this spot if I end up buying more land. So I need something that cuts 10 acres or more. And then I found it. Oh, I found it. The bad boy Maverick. I told Wendy, I said, it's like it's named after me. I can't not buy this mower. It's like it's my nickname, the bad boy Maverick. $8,000 mower. Now, hang on, hang on, hang on. The sickness continues. I get on this mower, and buddy, it blows through that 10 acres like it's angry. It just, I mean, just knocks it out. You can mow the whole 10 acres in about an hour and a half. It's fast. Mows at 14 miles an hour. Cuts it like a golf course. Wonderful. Wonderful. Every time I get on that gig, I'm like. <laughs> People think somebody shot a squirrel somewhere. No, nope, just me on my mower. <laughs> just riding fast. Making, I mean, just blowing through grass. It's like just an incredible machine. But then... See, I've had that for a couple years now. I told Wendy that I said, babe, 
my mower won't, it won't grade our road coming into our property. And, 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 and I know you don't like your, your truck being muddy, so I'm going to have to lay some gravel down. But I need a bucket to do that. And, and then I need a box blade to keep it smooth. And, uh, and if, you, if you really love me, I need a backhoe too. I said, so I guess what I'm saying is it, 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 I need to buy another tool. And she goes, well, what kind of tool? Like a hammer? Or I said, oh, no, no. This goes far beyond the sickness of a hammer. Daddy needs a tractor. <laughs> and when he said, well, how much are they? So they start around 20, 25,000. And she goes, Daddy needs a new wife. <laughs> and I said, pray about it. Just pray about it. I still don't have my tractor. Pray with me. But the point is, is that we have this sickness that we gain something. And it's usable and it's great. But if you're not careful, the void that you feel... I'm not saying that it's not usable. But can you get by with what you already have? And if so, sometimes the decision is, let's pause, let's pray, and let's see if there's a better way to acquire the things that we desire. Is there wisdom in that acquisition or is there simply desire? See, again, if I'm not careful, my 14-year-old self will make every purchase I make. But wait, everybody else has a tractor at 43, please. See, I'm that guy that goes to bed at night watching 43-year-old men ride their tractors and giggle. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's a true story. I go to bed watching videos of men box-blading their gravel driveways. And then it creates a desire in me. So you know what I started doing? I went back to watching people on their bad boy Mavericks. Why? Because God was faithful and he gave me that lawnmower. That lawnmower is paid for now, praise God. We did zero interest. We paid it off over time, but it's paid for. I don't owe anything on it. It's in great shape. It does an amazing job for what it does. Now, is there still something in me that... Well, we need a tractor. We need a tractor. I get that. But you know what? When I acquire a tractor, it doesn't have to be brand new. It doesn't have to be the top of the line. I can get something to get by because here's the other side of things. I've also got a 15-year-old daughter who's going to need a vehicle soon. Right? And my family needs her to have a vehicle soon. <laughs> All the parents of teenagers said, amen. Let these mugs start running themselves around town. It's the greatest investment I ever make is when they all get their own wheels. Just go. Go. Shouldn't even buy furniture until then. Don't even get to use it. <laughs> what am I saying? Don't let any emotion dictate your finances because I know there's a good feeling when you buy something new. I get that. 
But can I tell you something? Your fulfillment should not come from a thing. It should come from your God. I'm not even saying you don't have to make acquisitions because we all know we do. But make sure we're applying wisdom in those seasons. Make sure we're talking to other people who have made those purchases and see what they would have done different. You see, if I'd have talked to myself two years ago, I'd have said, save the $8,000 on the mower and just get a $10,000 tractor now. But I didn't do that. So I thought I had it figured out. So the point I'm trying to make is, is if we're going to steward ourselves in every area of our life, Financially has got to be a part of it. See, because I read the connection cards and I see where people are saying, pray that I get this second, third side job just so we can continue to make ends meet. Could it be that your spending has put you there? There's another side of this to look at as well. Could it be that your uh, primary job does not value you at the right number? Is there somebody else that would value you more for that time? We've got to be wise in all things and consider every aspect of the journey. With that being said, I'm going to move on because I'm going to close here. Stewardship number four has got to be emotionally as well. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. Well, wouldn't that be nice? To have peace in every way, in everything, in every thought. Man, I'm going to walk with the Lord a long time. I still haven't figured that one out. I, 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 I tend to worry about things, especially the things I can't help. Any of y'all like me? But a few years ago, I made a decision that really, really made a difference. And some of y'all need to make this decision. I stopped watching my news and went back to reading it. Um, the stress of... I was watching Fox News, and um, everything was always a major warning, a major threat alert, a major, and, and it caused my anxiety to always be high. And then I would talk to my dad, and my dad would watch Fox News, and he would say, did you hear about China? And I'd say, oh, Lord, yes. It's bad, ain't it? Oh, it's worse than bad. It's, it's the end of the world. And man, we'd start talking, and by the time the conversation was over with, there'd be no hope for anybody. It's true. We would wring every bit of hope out of that situation. So I started just reading my news now. Put on some relaxing music, I read my news. Why? Because I control the emotion of my information now. Right? A lot of people have started putting their peace in politicians, and that has to quit. Politicians are not designed to give you peace. They're designed to regulate laws. They are not a mechanism that God ever created to be peace pumps. And yet we change our peace depending on who's in office. And it's like, that doesn't line up with the scripture. How about this? We may struggle with peace because we're surrounded by people who feed off of drama. You see, if you show me your friends, I will show you your problems. 
They're either helping you or they're hurting you. And I can make that decipher pretty quick. I can ask your friends one of three questions. Do you love Jesus? Yes or no? Okay. Are you reading his word? Yes or no? Are you encouraging this person with those scriptures? Yes or no? If it's just all three, great. If it's not, challenge your friends. Hold each other accountable. Do the things necessary. I promise you we're teaching your children right now in preschool what I'm teaching you in here now. Surround yourself with life-giving people. That's half the race. Can we be honest? That's half the race. Surround yourself with runners that want to run the right direction. Say, well, when you get lost, you're not lost. Just find the runner next to you and keep going. But what happens is we surround ourselves with the wrong people, and then we wonder why we get the wrong uh, results. And... I don't know, that just, that just seems like an awfully simple fix and people aren't doing it. And I see that because I read the connection cards. I read them every week and it breaks my heart because sometimes I want to send you a message. Hey, you've asked us to pray for years about this person that continues to spew venom and toxicity into your life. Can I ask you a question? When is enough? When's enough? You're not in a covenant relationship with that person. Why don't you just take some distance and put it between the two of you? But see, nobody wants a pastor that'll ask those honest questions. Well, hang on now. Now listen, this girl's been my friend for a long time. How dare you? Well, that guy's like my brother. I don't know. He, well, maybe he shouldn't be. Maybe at one time he's going the same direction. And those people could fuel you to go the direction you were going, but now they are holding you back. Boy, gotta make some changes. And because we have to steward ourselves emotionally, what we behold, we become. I've said that before. Man, if all you're watching is this anxiety-filled news, man, change that. Go outside every once in a while. The birds are still singing. Fish are still biting, hello? I had more mental health with a six-year-old feeding crickets to brim the other day than I've had in a long time. Man, I just sat out there, man, put on some worship music in my truck, hooked some crickets on, threw them out there and just watched them bobbers sing. Spent two hours out there with Nora fishing. Man, I'm gonna tell you, it was great. And you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me when I was a kid and everything was all right. And then I looked over at Nora and she was having time of her life. And you know what? She don't know that China's trying to destroy the U.S. dollar. Nor does she care. Now, I'm not saying be ignorant about stuff. But I'm saying at the end of the day, our father is either on the throne or he's not. And we got to make the decision on where we're going to get our peace from. Are we going to get our peace from the fact that our father's on the throne or that somebody's in office? And if you want to get it from the person in office, newsflash, it ain't coming. And I don't care if you vote for donkeys or elephants. I've been to the zoo and they all stink and they got fleas.
I'm going to quit. Because I'll get in trouble if I don't. You can have a good life. But it takes a little work. It takes a little bit of stewardship. So whether you're stewarding your finances, stewarding your faith, stewarding your emotions, I mean, the Bible speaks to all those things. And it lays out a pretty clear roadmap as to how to do those things. And I get just completely overwhelmed sometimes. And all I have to do is stop and just back up and say, okay, where did I miss steward this situation? Where did I miss steward my peace? Where did I miss steward my finances? Did I spend too much? Did I earn too little? Where did I steward my relationships incorrectly? Where did I let somebody too close that was too hurt so they keep hurting other people? Can I tell you, these are questions that if you'll ask yourself, you'll navigate a better life. Because these are promises from God. This isn't a self-help thing. This is a God help me thing. There's a difference. So wisdom. As I close, I'm going to pray God gives us wisdom. Because wisdom is what gives us the eye to see where we misstewarded, but then also takes us back to the scripture to find out how we can fix it. So if you would stand up on your feet, I want to pray for you. Lord, we love you. And Lord, as much as I, as much as we all claim to have it figured out, sometimes we just don't. And we make the wrong decisions and we push into the wrong areas. We buy the wrong things that end up causing frustration financially, that end up maybe squeezing us too tight financially. Would you just help us to stop? Just help us take a breath. I don't have to make any decision today that's going to hurt me. But you know what I can do? I can go into your word and I can find out what decision I can make to bless me. Now, wisdom, we need you. We need you to lead us all the way back to the word every time we get confused. Lord, give us a double portion of wisdom that always leads us according to your scripture, that always leads us according to what's right, that leads us to make decisions that are going to better our future, not frustrate us in the future. And um, yeah, we need that. So do that for us today. Give us that wisdom that we need. And Lord, for those who say they're just in a season of just unrelenting heat and pressure, Lord, take them back to where they made decisions that have brought this heat on. Take them back. If whatever it is, if it's a financial decision, maybe they need to sell what they bought. If it's a relational issue, maybe they need to sell what they bought. Father, take us back to the, the split in the road where we took the wrong direction and let's, let's go the other direction. I thank you for that. Because that's how you lead us in perfect peace. You are the Prince of Peace and you lead us according to our peace. So thank you for that. Just thank you for wisdom for each person here this week, Lord, that will make the right decisions. And those decisions will lead us closer to you not further away. Those decisions lead us closer to peace, not further away. Thank you for that.
I just ask that for every person here. Thank you in advance for giving us that wisdom this week. Lord, bless us and keep us. Be gracious to us and show us your favor. Make your face shine upon us and give us peace, both now and forevermore. Cover us with the blood of Jesus from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. I thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper, not even the weapon that we can sometimes see in the mirror. Just help us to tame that beast. Yeah, I thank you for that. Bring us back next week with more wisdom and more of your word locked away in our heart, and we'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you. We love you, and we'll see you next week. Thanks again for joining us today for the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that what you've heard today will bless you until the next time we meet again. We hope you'll join us again soon to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged to experience the real Jesus. Take good care, and God bless.